That's right. We are celebrating the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, this is Advent season leading up to Christmas. Advent simply means arrival. And so what we're celebrating is the arrival of God in the flesh and the person of Jesus Christ. We anticipate uh, his second coming, his second soon coming arrival while we celebrate his first arrival some 2000 years ago. And the series uh, that we're doing is called Christmas at the Movies. We're wrapping it up today. We've been looking at classic Christmas movies and how they point to the arrival of Jesus. And, and the theme of Advent, the theme of this whole series is really it's all about our longing for the perfect to come. And so each of these movies, we see this longing for the perfect to come represented. This week, we're wrapping up with the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life. So let me ask you, how many of y'all have seen It's a Wonderful Life? Give me a show of hands. All right. Some of you have not. Um, how many of you love It's a Wonderful Life? All right. A lot of you. Um, so uh, I, I have to confess, I had never seen It's a Wonderful Life until this past week. All right. Every Christmas, we're like, we've got to watch It's a Wonderful Life. We've got to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And we just haven't done it. And so part of the reason I put this into the sermon series was so I would be forced to watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's a great movie. I see why it's a classic. But I also have to confess that to watch a movie for the first time and to try to do what I'm doing this morning is, was a little bit tricky. Okay, It was a little bit difficult for me because there's so much in there that it takes, you know, those other movies I've watched dozens of times. Um, and so things were coming off the top of my head. This is a little bit different, but a great movie. And, and let me just kind of set the scene as we kind of get into it. It's, it's a story that was set in upstate New York in a fictional town called Bedford Falls in the first half of the 20th century. And the film opens on Christmas Eve with, with these voices praying for George Bailey. Now, George is the film's protagonist. He is the beloved town hero of Bedford Falls, but he's at this low point, this point of crisis. And so he's He's ready to throw his life away. And what we see is these heavenly beings that are getting ready to send his guardian angel, Clarence, to come to his rescue. And so what, what happens from the beginning and through the rest of the movie is we get this retrospective look at the life of George Bailey, all the critical moments that led him to this, this low point. And, and, and this, is, this is kind of the, the, the scene that we're in this morning. So before we talk more about the movie, this is my last chance for us to do a little bit of Christmas trivia. I've got a fun little giveaway. This isn't, it's a, it's a wonderful life themed trivia because Lori Jones would win, hands down, right? Um, I'm, we're just, this is a general, uh, it's a game called Let's Get It Started, all right? So, th so the instructions for this little trivia game, I wanna have you all participate, keep track of your own score because uh, and it's going to be on our system because we're in church. All right. So we're going to ask you, we're going to put the first line uh, of a song or a film or maybe a book. We're going to put it on the screen. Now, you're going to guess what it is. Not, don't shout it out, but just think about your answer to this question. What is this the opening line to? What film, song, or book? I want you to tally how many correct answers you have. We're going to do 10, and I've got a fun little giveaway for whoever is the winner. All right honor system, right? So number one, here's the first line. Oh, hello. You're, uh, you're probably here about the uh, story. Elves love to tell stories. This may be a softball for y'all, okay? You got the answer? Everybody know what it is? The answer is elf, all right? This is participation. Come on, come on. Elf, okay, so number one. Number two, if you got that right, mark it down mentally, all right? 
Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. Okay, another softball. Half of these are softballs, I've got to confess to you. Okay, you have your answer? You know what it is? What is it? The Grinch, all right? Or How the Grinch Stole Christmas, technically, all right? Um, By Dr. Seuss. Number three, here it is. Come, they told me, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum, okay? A newborn king to see, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Got your answer? You know what it is? What song or film or book? What is it? Little Drummer Boy, all right? Which there's about 5,000 versions of out. My favorite currently is by Frickin Country. It's a really good one. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Okay, next one is this. Someone answer the phone. Where's my suitcase? It's downstairs. Who stole my hairdryer? You know what this is from? I hear some murmuring. What is it? Home Alone, okay? All right, next one. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. You got it? I hear it. I hear the whispering. What is it? A Christmas Carol, all right, by Charles Dickens. Okay. All right. Next one. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh or the fields we go, laughing all the way. Maybe a song. Maybe a film. It may be a book. Got your answer? What is it? Jingle bells, all right. Jingle bells. Next one. Ah, there it is, my house in good old Cleveland Street. How could I ever forget it? And there I am with that dumb round face and that stupid stocking cap, all right? What's this coming from? Do you know? Oh, you already? Yes, it's a Christmas story. How many of you got that? How many got it, all right? Okay, Cleveland Street. Okay, that was the giveaway. Christmas story. Next one. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse." There's a technical name for this one. You're probably going to know the otherwise known as title, but you know what it is? "'Twas the night before Christmas," also known as the night before Christmas. It was a visit from St. Nicholas. Anybody know that one? I I had no clue. All right. So next one. I think it's getting a little tougher here. Here it is. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. Let's see who's got this on their playlist. It may or may not be a song. <laughs> who's got it? What is it? All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. No. <laughs> Different generation. That's all right. She's going to get it when the movie comes. All I want for Christmas is you. Right? Okay. So next one. Here we go. It was a long time ago, longer now than it seems, in a place that perhaps you've seen in your dreams. This was the stumper for last service, and for me. No. You're just throwing out random Christmas things. (laughs) Anybody know this? Nope. Die hard, nope. (laughs) That was going to be week four of the series, but we had to cut it. We had to cut it. Something to do with language or something. (laughs) Anybody get this one? The answer is the nightmare before Christmas. Does that count? That's tricky. Gotcha. All right. Anybody get that one? Anybody like kind of? No? Okay. Next one. I think this is the last one coming up. Is that right? Is that the last one? No. Two more? That's it. That's the final one. How many of you got? Anybody get nine out of ten? Anybody get 9 out of 10? We had somebody had 9 out of 10 last week. They actually, they wiped up in this whole competition. They won week 1 and 3, the Hoyle family. Um, anybody get 8 out of 10? 
You got eight out of 10? Okay, you get the prize. Come on up here. Give Rachel a hand of applause. This is, this is, show on the screen. It's an ornament, all right? It is a little Christmas bell with angel's wings because, you know, whenever a bell rings, what happens? An angel gets their wings, all right? It's a wonderful life. So let's jump into this week. Really the theme of this, you know, everything is tying back to this longing, and there's so much in this movie, y'all. The way that I kind of boil it down, when, I, when, I, when I'm looking for a longing, the longing that I see in this film, it's George's longing for the good life, which he thinks is somewhere out there, but all along, it's like right under his nose. It's right in front of, in front of him, because what you see is from a young age, like this George Bailey, he is a dreamer. He's dreaming. He, he, he wants to travel to exotic places. He wants to experience adventure. He wants to go, to go to college. He wants to make money, be successful, build great skyscrapers and bridges. And he's just dreaming, dreaming, dreaming from a young age. But it's, it's as if his dream is always just out of reach, like it's always out there. And, and what happens in, in this movie is that his responsibilities to his family and to his community always went out. And so it's like he's, he's a good man, but in his mind, he's missing out on the good life. He wants all the success that he thinks is out there. But in the end, like, like we said, he discovers, man, you were living the good life all along. And so what I want to do with this first movie clip that I want to show you is, is, is uh, he's on a date with his eventual wife, Mary, and, and you see this longing, this dreaming that he has for the good life. And so take a look at this video clip. So it's, it's just funny, the, um, the difference between 1946 and 2020. I mean, like now it's like, who is the creeper that's listening in our conversation? Like, <laughs> mind your own business, man. Um, so you see the longing of, of George Bailey. And, and what, what happens in the story is right before he's ready to head off into the world, head off to college, uh, George's father dies. And so he's conflicted because his, the family business, the Bailey brothers building and loan is hanging in the balance. And so um, George ends up staying in Bedford Falls to take over the family business. And what happens in his life is he becomes this respectable, well-loved citizen and family man. He marries Mary. They have four kids. And um, man, he cares about the people in this community and the community as a whole. And, and all the while, he's dreaming of that good life that he wants that still seems out of reach. And the story brings us to Christmas Eve, where you know, George's business, it comes up short in their accounting uh, because a large sum of money was misplaced by Uncle Billy, right? And so there's this dilemma, this crisis that George finds himself in that threatens to ruin his, his business and his, his family, his home, and really his standing in the community. And this drives him to this point of desperation where he's ready to take his life and so he, he goes to the bridge and he's ready to take his life. And then in swoops um, Clarence, his guardian angel. And we're not going to talk about the theology behind all of this. All right? you, could, you could make an argument for guardian angels, I think, from the scripture. But there's some wacky stuff in here. We're not going to touch on that. But you see Clarence who comes in here and, and he's, he's coming to the rescue. And, and he really gives George his wish, which, you know, George is like, maybe it would have been better if I had never been born. And so Clarence, his guardian angel, gives him the ability to see what life would have looked like had he not existed. And the result, really, it was a nightmare. It was like this wake-up call, and George gets to see like, the incredible impact of his life 
on his family, the people he loves, his community as a whole. And it's, it's eye-opening for him. His eyes are open to what a wonderful life he had, to what he had all along. And, and so what happens is he begs God to let him live again. So l- let me talk about this because there's so many, there's so many spiritual lessons, so many things that we could talk about uh, in this movie. I just want to point out four really quickly that really this isn't the meat of what I want to talk about, but, but some spiritual lessons we see throughout. And this is why I had a hard time. There's so much stuff in this movie. We see the power of sacrifice. You see George, who is a really, he's a type or a picture of Christ. He's living this, this life where he's, he's sacrificing, always sacrificing for the good of others. He's laying his life down for others. And he's, he's kind of, he's a savior in a lot of ways. He, as a kid, he saves his brother Harry, right? But at his own expense, he ends up losing hearing in his, in his, his ear. He saves his boss, Mr. Gower, from delivering the wrong medicine. But you know what, he, he, lo- he suffers a beating. <laughs> this is one of those scenes where I'm like, oh wow, 2020, this feels awkward. Like you can beat children back in 1946 and it was okay, it was all right. He like, he saves his, his boss from doing this and he takes a beating for it. Uh, he saves his family business, but he ends up missing out on college because of it. He supports his brother Harry in his career, but again, he's foregoing college and all of his dreams. Uh, he, he ends up protecting, uh, I'm sorry, he saves his family business again, but, but he, he loses his honeymoon and his whole wad of honeymoon cash, right? He loses out on that. He ends up protecting or wanting to protect his Uncle Billy after he gives him a good shaking. <laughs> Here's another thing. I love, man, these were the good old days where you could just shake your uncle or shake your, you know, your wife or children, and it was okay back then, right? <laughs> Whatever. Um, those... It's just, I'll move on from that, all right? But yeah, he, uh, so he, he protects his Uncle Billy at the risk of prison, you know, for embezzlement. But he, he's over and over. George is giving and giving and giving and sacrificing himself for the good of others with, without seeking anything in return. And so he's this picture of, of Christ and really of a Christ follower that we live this life of sacrifice. So we see the power of sacrifice in this movie. We see the ugliness of greed. You know who the... the antagonist is in the movie. Who is it? Mr. Potter. All right. Old man Potter. He, he's really, he's not a type of Christ. He's kind of the opposite. He's a type of, of the devil of Satan, because what happens is you, you see him, he's full of pride and greed. And I imagine he's kind of what Satan looks like a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, you guys are supposed to laugh at that. I'm just kidding. He's full of greed. Thank you. That was, thank you. Pride, greed. He was corrupt. He wanted all the power. He wanted all the control. Um, he, he, he was selfish and uncaring. He didn't care about anybody or anything. In fact, every person and everything was a business transaction to him. And in fact, he actually plays the part of tempter. What you see is he's, he's, he tempts George to come work for him. And he throws out all the, the promises of how great life would be if you would come and work for me and you could still experience the world. And it's, it really, it points to to the serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve, like, has, did God really say this? Here's, here's what I could give you. It points to the temptation of, of uh, the devil to Christ in the wilderness when he's tempting Christ to throw everything away if he would just come and you could have the world if you would just bow to me. And, and so, you know, we see the ugliness of, of greed, but like Christ, George 
You know, he resists the temptation. He even delivers one of the great lines, you scurvy little spider. Like, such a great, that's a great one. If you need, if you need an insult, you pull that one out. Okay, you scurvy little spider. Um, so we see the ugliness of, of greed. We see the beauty of community. We see the beauty of community. This is like small town USA. I mean, this could have been made in like Kershaw County, right? This is like small town USA. Everybody knows everybody or the person you have just met knows somebody that is related to you or somebody else. Like everybody knows everybody and it's all about family and community and there's these family businesses. And George, you see, like he has this relationship with the people. He cares about the people. And so he does whatever he can to serve them. He sacrifices for their good. And, and it wasn't one-sided. You see the people who in the end come and return the favor. They, they sacrifice of themselves and they... they um, collect all this money so that they can take care of this issue that, that George is faced with. And so it reminds me of the New Testament, this idea of loving one another. This wasn't a one-sided thing. There was community where George loved them and they loved him in return. And, and so we see kind of a picture of the church even and community here. So you see the power of sacrifice, the ugliness of greed, the beauty of community. You see the impact of a life, the impact of a life. You know, George is able to see what life would actually look like if he was never born. And he sees how much of an impact he has on, on his family and his community. And he, his eyes are open. He, he lives this life of, of giving everything away, giving his life away. And he sees how much it has touched and impacted others. That y'all, if we could see the impact of our one, our one little life, man, it's so enormous. And George had this, this, his touch went not just to those in his community, but even beyond that, even people that he impacted, like Harry, that impacted others. You see the, the impact of a life. We see it negatively in Potter, who lived selfishly for himself only, and, and uh, it corrupted everyone and everything around him. And so we just see overall this, this impact of, of one life lived. So tons of incredible spiritual lessons, probably many more that I'm, I'm missing, but those are some big categories when I look at this movie. But what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to I want to focus in on two very like overtly obvious spiritual moments in this movie. There were two prayers that George said, two pivotal prayers that George prayed. And so I want to show you both of these. This first one, let me set it up for you. Uh, this is when George has at Christmas Eve, he's come to the end of his rope and he goes to Martini's, this local establishment, and, and he kind of offers himself to God. He, he cries out to the Lord here. So why don't you check out this clip? There's prayer that George prays. He says, show me the way, God. And I, I had not planned to, to give any trivia this week, but I actually read something. There, there, you can Google. It's a Wonderful Life. You'll see all kinds of trivia. One of the things I learned actually yesterday, I was reading an article that was on like CNN, and it talked about how Jimmy Stewart, so this is a little bit of trivia, all right? Um, Jimmy Stewart had been out of Hollywood for about five years because he was serving in the war. And what happened is this is the first movie that he filmed when he came back. And in this particular scene, he wasn't actually supposed to cry. Um, but what he was doing was he was drawing from his experience of being in war uh, and just it wasn't diagnosed as PTSD back in those days. But, uh, but, but the emotion, you see that raw emotion that comes, like that was real. He was doing what good actors do. He was drawing from someplace within them. And, and so that's, that's what happened. They ended up doing that take and they kept it. Um, you know, and so it's an amazing scene in Hollywood history. But he's, he's, he's praying this prayer. Show me the way. God, it's this prayer of, of desperation. 
Like he says, I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way. God, it's this prayer really of salvation. What he's saying in this moment is, God, help me. God, save me. I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of myself. And this is such an incredible prayer, y'all, because this, is, this really is the prayer of any person who wants to come into a relationship with God. It's, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of myself. I realize there's nothing I can do to make my way to you. So God, would you save me? Would you come and help me? Because I need you. And, and this, is, this is the prayer from George. And then there, there's a second prayer that he prays towards the end of the movie. He, he's been given this glimpse into what life would look like if he didn't exist. And, and he comes back to the bridge and he, he, he cries out to God again. And so I want you to check out this scene. All right, so a lot of cool stuff going on in the scene. We'll come back to it in a couple minutes. But these are the two prayers. This is the second prayer. Please, God, do you hear what he said? Let me live again. Please, God, let me live again. It's as if he's saying, God, give me a second chance. Like I missed it the first time around, but I'm ready. I want to live for real. I want to help me to live as you've intended for me to live. Please, God, let me live Again, we're going to come back to these two things and these two prayers in just a minute. But I want to look at the scriptures for a couple minutes and we'll tie this together. We're going to read a couple passages from from the scriptures that come from the Apostle John. So we saw John chapter one earlier. John was a disciple of Jesus. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He he penned the gospel of John as well as first, second, third John, the book of Revelation. But he, he wrote in John chapter one, which we read earlier, where where Christ comes and he dwells among us. God takes upon himself the form of a servant. He becomes a man and he comes to us. And verse number four, I want to read this again. John chapter one, verse four. It says this about Christ in his coming. Verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. In him, in Christ was life and the life was the light of of men. So I, I want to just focus on those two words, life and light, for just, for just a minute here. So when, when it says that in Jesus was life, it, what it's saying is that not only did he possess life, but he was, in fact, he was and he is the source of all life, that in him is life, not just physical life, but spiritual life. So in other words, Jesus came to save us. He came to give us life, to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so it says that in him was life. And it says that the life was the light of men. So when it talks about this light, Light gives guidance, it gives direction, it, it illuminates the path. And so why Jesus came, why we celebrate Christmas, because he came to save us and also because he came to show us the way to live. He came to illuminate the way for us to light up our path. He came to save us from our sins and he came to save, uh, to show us how to live. So think about these two prayers that George Bailey was, was praying. Really the answer to both of these prayers, they're, they're almost one and the same. They lead to the same thing. They both lead to or answered by the coming of Jesus. So when he says, 
Show me the way, God, help me, save me. You know what Jesus in his coming, you know what Jesus' response was to him and to everyone who would call out that he would save us and show us the way? Jesus says, I came to save you. I came, I am the way. John 14 verse six says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I came to give you access to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. And so when we cry out, God, save me, help me, show me the way. Jesus says, y'all, I came to save you. I came to set you free. That is the reason I came to bring you out of death and into life. And the only way that you and I experience that life is by coming to the end of ourselves and coming to the end of our own rope and crying out to God, God, save me. That's why Jesus came. But then there's a second prayer. Please, God, let me live again. Like I I really, I want to really live this time. And anytime someone cries out to God, let me live, let me live again. I want to experience life. Jesus' response in his coming was, I came to light up the way for you. I came to save you from your sin, but I also came to show you how to actually live in the fullness of what I created you for. 1 John, another passage by, by the Apostle John, John uh, 1 John 4, verse 9, it says, In this, and this is, again, the Christmas story in a verse, In this, the love of God was made manifest or clear or visible among us, that God sent his only Son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him. Because life and life to the full is only experienced in and through Christ. John, again said in John 10.10, Jesus speaking these words, he talked about the thief, the enemy, Satan. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come. I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, I came to save you from your sin, to give you eternal life, But I also came to give you full, abundant, overflowing life that I've created for you to live. I came to light up the way for you to show you how to live. And so y'all think about these two prayers, all right? These two prayers from George, they they, they kind of blend together. They both lead to Christ. And here's the cool thing with that second scene. When he prays, please, God, let me live again. I mean, that word, the word that catches me in there is the word again. Let me live again. There's this incredible picture here of, of the second birth, uh, the second birth that when we put our faith in Christ, there's, we've been born physically, but there's a spiritual birth that needs to take place. And he says, let me live again. And here's the, the really cool thing. I, I didn't even see this until I was watching that clip in the first service. And I got really excited. I had to look up this, this, this verse I want to share with you. But you know, when we put our faith in Jesus, something happens. When we we experience a second birth, is that our lives, that we are sinners, we are full of sin, our lives are marked by the scarlet uh, of our sin. And what happens is that Christ, in all of his righteousness, he cleanses cleanses us of our sin. And what you see in the scene, if, if you go back to the first time when he's on the bridge, Did you notice what was happening with the weather? It was snowing. 
And then when he comes back to the bridge the second time, it's not snowing. But then he prays a prayer. He reaches out to God and he says, please, God, let me live again. And you know what happens? The snow starts descending. Again, it's like he's back where he was, but the snow is descending. And I want to read you a passage. I want to read you a passage. Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. The Lord says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet. Does anybody know how the rest of this goes? They shall be white as snow. So when we put our faith in Christ, when we call out to God, when we're born again, his blood cleanses us of our sin and we become white like snow. Keith, uh, our executive pastor, pointed out beforehand, he said, but you also notice, he pointed this out to me, there was blood in that scene. The blood shows up. And I'm geeking out, I'm a pastor, and this is theology. I think this is an amazing picture because this is the picture of second birth. That, that George, like, here's what happens. When we come to Christ, there, the Bible speaks of there's this whole spiritual realm going on that we're, that we're in the midst of, that we don't see with our physical eyes, that is invisible to our eyes. And, and, and George, he prays, please let me live again. And all the things that, that George his eyes were blinded to that were going on in his life, all the blessings and all the goodness, the presence of God in his life. He was blind to it, but he asked God to, to let him live again. And all of a sudden he can see, he can see as God sees. He sees everything that he was missing out on before that was right in front of his eyes. And yet it was invisible to him. And if you know how the, how, how the New Testament speaks, there's this reality that we're blind to the spiritual reality of God and all that he's doing all around us in our lives, that we're blind to that until the Lord removes the blinders from our eyes and we get to see with the eyes of God. We see with eyes of faith because he has opened our eyes. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. I think this could be an amazing passage for all of us as we end this crazy year and as we head into 2021. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, See, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. Listen, he's not discounting any of the stuff that we experience, but he says, compared to what is to come, what we are going through right now, what we've experienced, he says, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. They're, they're passing. They're fleeting. But the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that are unseen are eternal. And, and, and George was living this life of sacrifice. He was, he was giving away his life. But man, he was blind to really what was going on. Until he said, God, would you let me live again? Help me to see what I've been missing all along. And God opened his eyes to what was actually reality, but was invisible to his physical eyes. And here's the reality, y'all. Here's the big bottom line, big idea this morning, that Jesus came to fulfill, to give us the good life that we've all been longing for. He came to give us 
the good life, to save us from our sins and to open our eyes, to light our path so that we could live for him. And so let me ask you some questions this morning. In light of these prayers, all right, I'm gonna ask you to make these prayers personal today. So think of that first prayer. Show me the way, God. God, would you help me? Would you, would you save me? Would you rescue me? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever come to the end of your own rope? Have you ever come to the end of yourself where you had to cry out to God and say, God, I don't have what it takes. I don't know what else to do. I need you. I'm at the end of myself. Have you ever come to the end of your own rope and cry out to God, God, save me? Because maybe for some of you in this season, this is, this is the prayer that you need to pray. You have never come into a relationship with God. You've never had your sins forgiven. You've done the church thing. You've lived a good life, but you've never given your life to God and said, God, save me. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray in this season. And Jesus would say, I came to save you. I am the way and the truth and the life. You can come to the Father, but it's only through me. So cry out to me. Here, here's the second prayer. Please, God, let me live again. God, let me live again. So here is the question. Are you letting the Lord light the way for you? Are you allowing him to show you what is right in front of you, what is all around you, the blessings of what he has put in your life? Chances are in 2020, we're missing some things. We're we're forgetting, we're blind to some of the goodness and the grace and the power and the presence of God with us and all around us. And so maybe your prayer in this season is, God, would you please let me live again? Would you light up my path? Would you open my eyes to what I've been missing all along? Show me how to live the life that you've intended me to live in all of its fullness that you came to give me. Those are the two prayers this morning, y'all. Show me the way, God. Please, God, let me live again. And what I want to do is I want to show you one more clip from this movie. You know, as you come to the end of this film, you know, as, as George runs from the bridge, he, you know, is running through the streets screaming out, Merry Christmas. And he goes back home and finds that his wife, Mary, has kind of petitioned the townspeople and they have taken up this collection, this offering. They're going to take care of, of this, this crisis that he's in. And he's, he's at this point, he's, he just wants to be back. He wants to have his life back. He realizes the blessing of, of all that he has. And so he comes back home and, and there's a song that they begin to sing here as they're rejoicing over all of the goodness of God. So check out this clip. So great classic clip. And I think that was probably taken in one take too because well, Jimmy Stewart was a little pitchy in that last clip, right? He was missing out on some of his words. Um, there's actually two songs that were, were sung there, but the first one, did you, did you catch what the first one was? A Christmas Carol? Anybody recognize what it was? What was it? Hark the Herald Angel Sings, um, or Angels Sing. And so I, here's what I want to do. We're going to sing this in just a moment. The band is going to come back out. Um, I want to read through the lyrics of this song because I think it was such a fitting close um, that this song would come at the end of the movie because it really wraps a lot of, of things up in, in the film and really the whole message of, of Christmas is here. So let me read these, these uh, words to you and I want you to, to follow them. 
And hark, by the way, for those of you like, what does hark even mean? That means to listen attentively, to pay attention. The herald angel, a herald is to, uh, to, to, to pronounce good news. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with God to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And this third one, I really want you to pay attention to this. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, speaking of Jesus. Hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, here it is, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So y'all, as we celebrate Christmas this season, let's remember that it came to save us, to save us from our sins, to bring us life. And he came to light up the way for us, to show us how to live the full life that we intended to live. And so we're gonna sing that this morning. Would you all stand with me? Let me pray. We get ready to sing these words together. Father, thank you for this incredible season when we anticipate the arrival of Jesus. You came 2,000 years ago to save us from our sins and to give us full, abundant life. And you're coming again. You will arrive one more time to take us, to be with you forever, to experience the fullness of that life that you came to. So, Lord, I pray, I pray that you would help us to live in light of your coming. God, that we would, we would see the things, that you would open our eyes to the things that you have done and are doing in our lives that, God, maybe we're blind to. God, we need you to open our eyes. We need you to give us life. We need you to light up the way for us. Or for those who may not know you that need your saving grace, God, I pray that in this season they would the courage and the boldness to reach out to you, that cry out to you like George did. In desperation, God, they would cry out for you to save them, knowing that you'd be faithful to do that. God, for all of us, would you help us to see as you see. Help us not to miss out on the blessings, the presence, and the power of your Spirit in our lives at work all the time. worship you today because you've come. You've come for us. And so we want to sing out this good news like the herald angels do because you are good and you're glorious. So Lord, we love you. I pray that you would just continue to meet with us this morning. Show us your glory.